Welcome to the second series of the Olive Magazine Vegan Podcast. I'm Janine, Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each week I'll be joined by an expert to take a dive into a specialist plant-based subject. This week I'm learning about what we can and can't drink on a vegan diet. Okay, I'm here with our drinks writer, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi. And we're going to be talking about what to look out for when choosing vegan drinks, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Um, first of all, Hannah, why are some alcoholic drinks not vegan? So um, probably the main thing that people might know about, but if you haven't, is um, not all beer and wine is vegan. Okay. And the reason be- the reason because of that is um, the process to make wine and beer clear and not hazy, yeah. which is really common um, and most um, wine and beer producers will do that, or at least mainstream ones, yeah. um, is um, it's a process called fining. Okay. So fining basically involves um, adding a substance to wine yeah. that basically, um, I won't go into the science too much, but basically it helps the kind of sediments and all the things that you want to get rid of in the wine. Yeah. It sort of clings to it and then you can flush it out of the wine, yeah. if that makes sense, so you can filter it out at the end. Yeah. Um, fining is done like after fermentation before you age and bottle the wine. Yeah. And traditionally, you would use um, often animal-derived products. Yeah. So things like albumin, which is egg white, yeah. um, casein, which is like a milk protein, um, isinglass, which is a uh, fish bladder made from, taken from fish bladders. Okay. This is banned now, but you used to traditionally use bull's blood. Oh my um, God, really? Wines. Yeah, but I've that, actually I, seen wine called bull's blood before. Yeah, I think it's a Hungarian wine. So, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they were embracing it fully. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which country this was used in, but yeah, so that was, um, um, and there was another one, uh, chitin, which is like made from crustacean shells. Oh, okay. Yeah. So those are, those are ingredients that are still used now. Um, not with all wines, but that's traditionally what people used. Um, so obviously, if you're going to use animal products like that mm. in, in 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 finding your beer and wine, um, it's not going to be vegan. So, what stage of the wine production does that happen? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not a winemaker, but very very broadly, what you do is you get the grapes yep. and you crush them, um, which obviously creates something called the must, which is like the juice and the skins and the stems, um, and then you add yeast ferment it into wine mm-hmm. and then after that um is usually when you I think usually transport the wine into like tanks right. or vessels um and that's when you you will find the wine yeah um and then after that you'll age it and bottle it so the sort of things we're taking out are things like tiny particles of um the skin and I guess the the grape um stems as well as that kind of stuff um isn't it? yeah it'll be stuff like that but it's also generally anything the wine they'll make it look hazy or that might affect sort of the aroma, colour or bitterness. Okay, yeah, because I read that, that actually the reason that f- using finings is so important for winemakers mm. is that it kind of gives the wine a smoothness as well. It takes away bitterness. Yeah, so I think that's quite important for red wine. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, finding is kind of a contentious topic. Yes. Yeah. Not all winemakers necessarily think you need to do it. Oh, um, really? So, yeah, so, um, so essentially... You can like clarify, you can make wine clear and not hazy if you just put it in a cool place and just let it rest. Oh, wow. And then eventually it takes months, all the, the sediment, everything, everything you to want there yeah, will go to the bottom. Um, but obviously that takes longer. So firing is like a quicker way 
and it costs um, it costs more money as well doesn't yeah, it because yeah. you're gonna have to because you've got time yeah. waiting for your wine to to come to maturity exactly so um in order to kind of have affordable wine yeah um finding is something that a lot of producers do and a lot of producers do believe that it results in a better wine however um a lot of nat- natural wine producers believe that finding the wine, and this goes, this is the same for beer as well. Yeah. They believe that that it would uh, negatively affect the flavor of the wine or alter it in some way. Okay. Um, so they'll either, um, yeah, so often they'll say, and they'll label on the bottle, you know, unfined or unfiltered. Oh, so you, if you see unfiltered, that means it hasn't been. So are we talking about, when we talk about natural wines, mm. they wouldn't have gone through that fining process? Um, I mean, natural that- wine Potentially. So natural wine is a really, really broad umbrella term. It can involve everything from organic and biodynamic wines to, you know, no additives in the wine. But then some producers might add some. It's not like a legal term. Do you know what I mean? It's more of a a movement. Yes, exactly. So I would look on the bottle for it to say unfined or unfiltered. Mm. Um, Some wines will actually say they're vegan or vegetarian as well. Um, But it's quite a sort of murky area it's a murky area isn't it because I was reading about it and um it said a lot of what I read said because because the because the findings things like the the albumin or the casein or whatever they use because they don't appear in the final wine Mm. they're not necessarily they don't necessarily have to be labeled on the bottle depending on where the wine comes from you know they don't have to be declared so so basically I think um and this goes for a lot of stuff there's the Vegan Society, which is a really useful resource mm. um, for loads of different reasons. Um, if you apply to them to have a Vegan Society label on your on your bottle, whatever it is, then they will you you'll get that certificate to say your wine is absolutely vegan. Mm. However, if you get a bottle of wine that doesn't have that, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not vegan. No, so it- that's quite you know confusing for the consumer isn't it yeah I mean I have to be honest I I delved into it and I kind of went down a rabbit hole (laughs) reading about EU uh and UK laws for wine labeling which um yeah was quite quite dense but um yeah so for example um I think legally in the UK you have to say uh if your wine contains allergens like milk or egg but only above a certain amount so if the amounts are so low like trace yeah um and also there's the separate issue of even if there aren't, even if you say, oh, well, actually, we've removed all the egg and milk or all the traces of it from the wine. Yeah. If you still used it to make the wine, yeah. then uh, if you're vegan, that's still not, you know, you're probably not going to want to drink that, right? No, because true. Because products were used within, to, yeah, yeah, in the manufacture of it, yeah. In, even if they're not yeah. in the final product, it's still, you know, it's still problematic, right? Yeah, but yeah, I think... I think the main thing is if you if if you want rock solid proof, then you would be looking for that vegan label. And I think a lot of manufacturers are getting a lot more wise to it. And if they're not using it, they, they will apply for that vegan certificate. And there's some there's some great online resources. Um, you know, just a simple Google will will give you lists of um, of products in the UK and and worldwide that are vegan and that they've kind of traced back and found out whether they're vegan or not when you talk about beer I mean are they using the same kind of clarification ingredients in beer that they use in winemaking um yeah similar ones as yeah well. um I think the process and when it's added in beer is slightly different right but um but yeah again um checking to see if the beer is vegan is also important it's also worth adding that um beer can be a uh, beer and wine can be fined with vegan ingredients as well okay um so it's not a case of 
if it's if just you're a yeah, yeah. fine you can't go near it if you're yeah. vegan um they just use products like bentonite which is made from volcanic ash and activated charcoal yeah um and actually quite a variety of other kind of clever ingredients yeah. to find and actually more and more wine and beer producers if they want to find their wine and clarify it yeah we'll, we'll go for that we'll and, go for that and actually you know generally um i'm seeing a lot of uh, like new vegan wine brands that really kind of mm. want to push the fact that they're vegan. Supermarkets will often shout and say, you know, they'll have sections which are yeah. like vegan wines on the website and they'll, they're will they really keen to kind of, and same for like, you know, wine clubs and online wine, online yeah. wine retailers. And I think it's something that I suspect is going to become, you know, more and more widespread. Yeah, it's kind of visibility, isn't it? Like I think more and more people are realising there's a huge market out there to make it easier for people to make the choice so they're they are actually labeling better um i mean as a rule it is it is just beer and wine which use that clarification process but then things that people should be aware of otherwise if you're talking about drinks um or the additives that you could you could have so say it, and simple things like an obvious one would be honey like in a liqueur if there was honey used as a sweetener mm. in a liqueur but and the the other thing that I was really surprised to find out about on the non-alcoholic drinks is that um, it's quite common for soft drinks to have hidden ingredients, which I found bizarre. Um, what sort of things do they use for that? Yes, so I always thought soft drinks, it was, you know, adding, you know, secret amounts of sugar or yeah. strange <laughs> street sweeteners. But yeah, it turns out there's a lot of animal-based products that are used in soft drinks. So gelatin is used to clarify some drinks. Um and animal-based enzymes are also used for the same thing. Um, and there's also a lot of like nutritional additives that are animal-derived that are used for things like, like a, protein drinks. Yeah, like a protein. I think a big one was was adding adding protein to those like protein-rich drinks. Yeah. Um, because obviously it's it might be a matter of cost or it might be a matter of like what's the most efficient way of getting protein into a drink, but a lot of those are animal-derived. And also like a really old one, I think, that we all know is e, E120 or cochineal which is made from insect shells, and that gives you this ridiculously bright red colour. Mm. So that's um, something to look out for. Because, again, it, if it's an E number, it, it can be listed as an E number. It doesn't mm. have to be listed as what it is. So it's kind of up to you or to look for that little vegan sign or to maybe go back and check all the ingredients and what they actually refer to. So, not again, not great for the consumer for visibility, but I guess... There's lots of, I think, I think you know, maybe one day we'll do a, a podcast on labelling because it's a really interesting subject, mm. like what you're, what you're required to declare yeah. and what you're allowed to not declare under the sort of various restrictions. Yeah. There's a lot of like murky um, workarounds and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Stick around for more drinks advice from Hannah. So again, if you're if you're going to, um, you know, m most of these, I guess, you know, things like um, the protein ads and stuff, which it's, it's probably a particular kind of drink, but um, definitely always worth checking out the label. Um, finally, just wanted to talk about cocktails because obviously it's huge. Like cocktails are one of the biggest things on our website. We've got amazing new drinks letter that goes out every drinks newsletter that goes out every month now is it so there's a every fortnight and then there's a monthly one as well amazing so every two um, weeks and we're creating bespoke cocktails for that we're creating loads of different guides um you're in charge of that as well <laughs> another one of your babies um 
but our readers just love cocktails and I think there's a few little sort of tricks that you can do cocktail wise just to get maybe the mouthfeel or to get the texture of, mm. of a cocktail when you don't want to be using animal products so can you talk us through a few of them? Yes, so luckily, um, it's pretty easy to veganize a cocktail yeah. if you need to. Um, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, sour cocktails. Yeah. So ones like amaretto sours and whiskey sours, they'll classically use egg white. And you add that in and shake it up with all the ingredients and that will give that lovely creamy layer mm. like at the top of the drink. Um, but it's a really easy switch um, to make it vegan. Um, so you just use aquafaba, which is the liquid from a can yeah. of chickpeas. And uh, generally, one egg white is like two tablespoons. Right. But generally, I just add it in as I would yeah. normally, shake it up. And, and to be honest, I don't think there's much difference between using egg or aquafaba. So is that a texture thing that it adds to the drink? What do you think it adds to it? Why, why is it always in a sours as well? I just wondered about that. because um, I think it's a texture thing. It adds a sort of... Um, a, it adds kind of a creamy texture yeah. adds a bit of body to the drink yeah body because I think with the sour you're using um you know a, lic a liqueur a spirit yeah and a citrus so sometimes it, and also because it's a sour yeah it, it tastes sour sour yeah the also it kind of balances it yeah, out it adds a, bit. a bit of you know kind of a roundness yeah like, you know sours don't tend to be that sweet and often sugar adds that kind of like texture that sort of softer texture that you want so I think the egg white kind of just you know ballasts it out yeah I think from reading there's a lot of there's a lot of um mixologists or bar people who are actually using aquafaba because they quite like it yeah. you know instead of egg white because obviously if you get egg white in a drink in a in a, a bar it will be pasteurized like they mm. wouldn't use um, but there might be people who still think it's a bit icky to have egg in a drink. You know, yeah. people who don't like egg or if you're a bit worried at home, you might not want to shake up an egg way in case you have various reasons, um, health or otherwise. But um, also, I think the thing about aquafaba is it's quite bland. So mm. you can get the, the texture without actually bringing any kind of flavor or anything into it. And it's also easier. It's and it's easier. Yeah, <laughs> true. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, and what other things can we use on, in place of? Um, so probably the couple of things I wanted to talk about was, first of all, um, we mentioned before, but honey yeah. isn't vegan. Um, so any cocktail that requires honey, um, it's really easy to find another swap for that. So things like agave nectar, yeah, agave's great. Um, which is lovely. I love that in um, using to make like a margarita. Yeah, because it's got its own qualities as well, hasn't it? Sometimes honey can be too honey. It's yes, got it's it can be powerful ingredient. Yeah. Um, or if you want something a bit boldly flavored, um, maple syrup, brown rice syrup, or like date syrup. Really oh, nice. Like. Yeah, really um, rich. Think, yeah, date syrup. I think would be really good in uh, something like an old fashioned. Lovely. Yeah. Something like that. Um, Another, and obviously the main thing that I certainly think you think about, if I, you know, is cocktails made with that milk or cream. Yeah. So we're talking things like, um, you know, like a white Russian, for example. Yeah. Um, but luckily, the quality of like vegan creams and milk and plant milks is just so good at the moment. Yeah. Um, anything that you want to use, that we normally use double cream for, for example, um, you could use something like cashew cream or you can go to the supermarket so Oatly do a kind of um, oat. Oat oh, cream, yeah, yeah. Of like a double cream. Um, there's soya cream. Um, and in terms of plant milks, I think you could use anything you like, really. Um, it just depends on, I think most would work well, but it tends mostly on flavor. I, I quite like oat milk because I feel like it 
for me mimics the lactic. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I think milk, I think it's it's kind of got thick. It's got a thickness to it yes, that yeah. sometimes is missing. So it's like a texture thing. So if you're shaking it, you know, if you're using that in a white Russian, mm. also like flavor profile wise, oat milk's quite bland. It's quite bland in mm. itself. So you can add other flavors to it. I would say definitely. Um, or if you wanted to have a twist to it. So um, I really love. Um, hazelnut milk um, oh wow which is, oh, it's just delicious it's like Wait, I've never seen that <laughs> it's really nice it's very um, I was gonna say is it really expensive because hazelnuts are pricey um I, I don't think it's too expensive but I had it and it's it just it's like quite, it feels quite decadent oh wow um, it's quite indulgent yeah like, imagine like yeah liquidized help hazelnuts are just um but that again if you made that in a white russian for example mm. that adds a really nice nutty element that harmonizes the coffee or cashew milk would also work well um obviously I mean, there's things like coconut milk and coconut cream. Yeah. They would add a really distinct flavor yeah. to the drink. So obviously a classic is like a pina colada. But if you're replacing it, I would think carefully about the spirits you're matching it with. So if you're just like freestyling, mm. I'd maybe match coconut milk with something like rum. Yeah, because it's just, you know, just stay in, stay in the same like country kind of thing. Where yeah, you're... and I feel like rum, the flavors in rum and often some, you know, they'll have mm. like little coconut, you know, it's, um, that's probably best for something like coconut milk. Yeah. Pina colada has got to be the ultimate like vegan creamy cocktail, hasn't it? Because yes. it is naturally vegan anyway. And but when delicious. you think about it, you just think it is really good. It is really wanna... good. Yeah, I can only have one though. It's so yeah. indulgent. <laughs> I feel like that. It's like having dessert. Oh, that's brilliant, Hannah. Thank you so much. Like so much inspiration there. Um, if you want to go online and check out our amazing cocktail collections, um, do so. And I think what we're going to do is is maybe put some little vegan suggestions on some of our cocktails mm-hmm. about swap-ins, because I think yeah. that'll just be really useful for people because the, the method's the same, but, you know, the um, the ingredients can be swapped out quite easily. But that was great. Thanks so, so much for coming to talk to us today, Hannah. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. For more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check out our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, head to olivemagazine.com.